Second to love the number five. I have to pick up. I'm wearing a nose. Marvin, you're naked. Stop looking at me, Swan. Welcome to the Got Till 5 podcast. My name is Max. I'm smiling this week, and his name is Jesse. Hello, my friend. I went the wrong way again. Have you taken my note on board about your miserable, miserable face with your upbeat voice? It's a skill. It wasn't a criticism. I don't know how you do it, but I'm impressed. <laughs> Years of practice. What's new in the world of Jesse Benz? The number one source for all things Jesse. Oh, God. There's. There's so much going on in life right now, as you know, for everyone. I'm out all the time. I'm doing crazy shit. It's going well. I mean, no, I'm going to work every day. Well, three days I'm going to work. The other two I'm working from home. Um, No one's in the office when I go in. No one's in here when I'm working. Just pretty lonely. It's wet outside. It snowed over the weekend. That was fun. That's gone now. Rained away. So um, it's it's all pretty jolly. All right. We're starting off with all the positive. This is a very <laughs> negative episode that we're doing, by the way, everyone. It's uh, not the cheeriest. We, we're just going to argue for an hour, I think, is is the theme of this episode. Yeah, so we have to lay some ground rules first. So th- this is, we're basically, we ripped off Desert Island Discs a few weeks ago. We're ripping off Room 101 this week, which to our American and Canadian friends um, is a British show or was a British show on the BBC where people go on and they talk about what they want in Room 101, which is just stuff that annoys them, like bad stuff. Not the obvious stuff, like cancer, poverty, AIDS. You know, some of us, not others, would put them in. Um, but, um, like, just things that niggle on you a bit. And so it's all a bit of a laugh. But the idea is, what if one of us puts it in, the other one needs to argue it. So you're going to play devil's advocate to me and vice versa, even if we do sort of agree with it. And I'm quite looking forward to that. Devil's advocate, right? Anytime anyone plays Devil's Advocate, you look like a twat without fail. Everyone's like, oh, I'll just play Devil's Advocate. It's like, no, you're being a twat. But when you do play Devil's Advocate yourself, it is quite fun. I quite enjoy it. This episode was made for Jesse. This is <laughs> his bread and butter of everything he loves. He's messaged me this morning. He's like, hey, fancy having an argument this evening? I'm like, not really. But uh, but but here we are. And, and this is what we're going to do with our spare time. On hey, our- look, if we're doing these weekly now, I need to get frustration out and vent. Because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be fun and we, we want to hear from you guys as well if you're watching put in the comments on twitch or youtube or twitter wherever you're you're currently viewing this or even youtube uh, on twitch right now well yeah we're on everything man i, I still don't know what twitch hello is. world <laughs> uh so just just put in stuff that you want to see locked into room 101 and room 101 is based off the 1984 novel of the worst room in his existence. So that's the origin of it. So let us know what you hate, and we'll do a couple of readings out as we go through to calm me and Jesse down when we have our discussions. And callback, um, it was most recently hosted on the BBC by Frank Skinner, who was in my top five last week. So we got a nice little linky-doo there. And who passed away today that we said we should protect at all costs? Oh, yes! Cloris Leachman died today, which I have said on this two podcast. Two episodes ago. Two episodes was that, ago. Was it only two episodes ago I was protecting her? No, I, I must so, be longer yeah. than that. No, We're talking was... about Young Frankenstein. Yes, but we talked about her before on um, the Adam Sandler, top five Adam Sandler films as well, because she's in Spanglish, which was one of my choices. And she's one of the best characters in that. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so yeah crummy um has just commented on max's haircut literally the first thing i said to him when these cameras went on crumb was about his haircut 
You and said it was nice. Don't start playing up to commonalities <laughs> here. You're like, lovely, mate. I'm going to start. Yeah, no, I was, I was just said that as a trick to make you feel safe. <laughs> you knew but the yeah. reinforcements were coming. But yeah, Cloris Leachwood. She was Frau Blucher in um, Young Frankenstein. She was in Spanglish. She was brilliant in that. She's a grandma in Malcolm in the Middle. She's fantastic in that. Um, she died today. She was 94. Not the saddest death uh, age in the world to die. But legend of film and i love her and i said it on this podcast so i thought that before it was cool so you can fuck off fuck off <laughs> awkward that she's in my number five now no i'm kidding but she... <laughs> <laughs> lovely woman lovely woman um me and jesse are heartbroken so shall we delve into it get why are you so big all of us oh for god's sake right um your number five actually relates to something that i'm gonna do later my number five is goggle box now the rule that me and jesse have is we each get time to talk about why we don't like it before the other one butts in and is like you're wrong you're wrong i like that you brought that up because i'd forgotten that and i was about to go fuck you <laughs> just start screaming okay so hold hold your hold your anger jesse um goggle box for me I want it in room 101 so badly because if people don't know the concept of uh, goggle box you're you're watching tv of people watching TV, of the TV shows that you watched last week. Now, I, I do get the concept of why it's popular, because you have something in common with them, because you're watching TV as well. Look at us both watching TV, and, oh, I could be on Gogglebox. I could be the big star of that. That's great. But it's just cheap. It is cheap TV to produce. You know, They, they don't have to pay for TV clips, because it's under the, the UK law of fair dealing and all that kind of stuff. But it's lazy TV. I feel like when you're watching TV, you should at least get something out of it for them taking your attention. Even past examples of shows like Big Brother, for example, where you're watching people living in a house while you are also living in a house is the original concept of all of this. But <laughs> at least if you watch that, there was some kind of, I don't know, you get some kind of psychological study out of it of watching how people interact and how people kind of deal with each other in a closed space. Gogglebox offers no original thought or commentary. And maybe it's kind of this microcosm of British viewing habits, but for 50 minutes, 50 minutes of people on their sofa watching stuff. No. It's an I, hour with adverts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of view it as the same way as like reaction videos or unboxing videos of people like just, oh my God, this trailer's out. And I just, I don't understand the enjoyment of it. And, and the concept itself from Channel 4 I, f I feel like it should make people angry, but instead it's won multiple awards. It's on 17 seasons now. And there's spin-offs, there's goggle sprogs, there's vloggle box. Like what what the I fuck is next? Doggy box? You're just gonna watch <laughs> watching TV? Is is that where we're going? And it's just it's so fake. And it gives this impression that everyone has the same kind of hive mind view of the world. And um what's 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 the posh couple? Stefan Dom. Is that them with they've got their own like little spin-offs and they've got books and all of this kind of stuff. I've never Those people are the most devoid of personality I've ever seen in my life. And it, it doesn't make sense why there are multiple seasons of the same people because the whole point of reality TV is that it's populated by ordinary people. But when you have these contestants like Danny Dyer and she's now got all of this stuff and she's elevated to that celebrity status herself it cheapens that whole idea of this fame while killing the reality format itself. It just, I don't understand the enjoyment people would get from watching it. 
That is an argument. I very, I very kindly gave you much more than a minute there. Um, They're going to get when, longer. Okay, so um, number one, um, when did you turn into an old man who yells at clouds? <laughs> oh, this is not what this is, because it's going to get worse. <laughs> um, so you don't, you don't see the appeal of just watching sort of... Um, I, I disagree with you in that they're boring people. I think a lot of them are very witty, funny people. And watching Gogglebox is akin to watching Anton Deck or someone like that, where you've got sort of funny people, fairly charismatic people who are being funny and um, making j- jokes that it's like it's. Do you remember the Eminem lyric? Um, I'm only I'm only giving you things you joke about with your friends inside your living room. The only difference is I got the balls to say in front of y'all and all that. Oh yeah. God. So um, that is Gogglebox, right? They're just joking about what we joke about when we watch stuff. Now, I know that you you don't have a TV license. You don't regularly watch television like the rest of the country. But it's like, but when you're nor- plugged into society like a normal human, um, <laughs> you sort of, you do, you enjoy these shows and seeing these other people enjoy them is gives you the warm and fuzzies. It, it makes you feel less alone. And at the moment, that's something we all need in life is to feel less alone and to have these people that we feel on the same wavelength of. Okay, but say you have like a family or a partner or like people around you. And I dream of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're watching people react to stuff, but you're, you're sitting in silence <clears throat> with your own members of your household. What, why is that? Okay. You're not sitting inside of some members of your own household. Me and Bobby watch it and we laugh along and giggle and go, ah, that was funny what they said. Do we enjoy <laughs> ourselves? But it's, it's... And then we have our little in-jokes from it afterwards, you know? I, I guess it's... Yeah, it, it's just something I, I, I've tried and the concept of just staring at people reacting to stuff and then little clips and it's just... I don't find... These are not people that I would have in my circle then okay. they're not my so i'm not i'm not into it to the point where i didn't know about all these spin-offs and stuff that you're on about i don't know the names of any of the people on it i haven't got that deep into it i just watch it and enjoy it but i do know that there's a brother and sister on it who are very funny and they are the nephew and niece of the chuckle brothers i mean what more do you want from your television max <laughs> um i want very chuckle vision. <laughs> that's what i want the ce- I, I understand the spin-offs would annoy you and the celebrity versions and stuff. They do me too. But um, at its core, I think it's a lovely show. And I, I know what you mean about cheap to make telly, but who cares? What, what, what do you want? You want everything to cost loads of money that's on television. I, I just, just back to my original point, I just, I just want effort. I just want to feel respected as a viewer that I'm getting something out of it instead of sharing moments with people I have no interest in or, or nothing in common or will never see again. But you, but you, um, another thing you have to remember about this show is it's basically a massive advertisement, right? So you'll see stuff that you missed in that week, like there's a new drama out or whatever. So you're watching a clip of that and then them talking about that. It's it's That's what chat shows are that's what this morning is that's what all these other shows that are on you know graham norton and stuff like that they're showing clips to plug something but instead of talking to the person that's in it we're talking to the viewer straight away which i think is um actually quite revolutionary 
But if I've got Stephen Fry and Graham Norton plugging his own book, I'm getting a fun little anecdote. I'm getting some some information. I'm getting a story. I'm getting something new, not recycled or regurgitated. I feel like if you watching Gogglebox, if you created a dystopian view of the future and you didn't know it existed and you went, oh, in 10 years time, you'll watch people watching television and commenting on it. That sounds like hell. And it is hell that we're living in now. <laughs> it's... I think it's lovely. And um, <laughs> I, <laughs> and you brought up Big Brother as well. And Big Brother obviously got trash, but um, it, that first series felt like a genuine social experiment and it was yeah. um, quite interesting. And I think, as with all these things, the premise is lovely. I do actually think, I will tell you that I think Gogglebox has gone on too long now and the magic has gone a bit, but the first few seasons were awesome. And same with... Um, same with Big Brother and stuff like that. Great premises, but maybe just go on a bit long. Yeah, they they get plugged and plugged into the ground. But I, I guess my concern is just like if this is what's winning BAFTAs and nominations and is one of the most popular viewed shows on the planet, and we've gone from where we're at with the original uh, reality shows of like Survivor and Big Brother and you know what I was saying earlier, where you could kind of get at least something from it by observing humans. Like, where are we going to be at in, like, five years' time with reality TV? It's it's concerning. Okay, fine. So that's that's why I would like to put Gogglebox into Room 101. Lovely. It Ching. doesn't hurt anyone. Hurts me. <laughs> What's in there? Okay, now your next pick does hurt people. And you're very key. I'm, I'm so curious about your argument here. So uh, here we go. Okay. Um, now, uh, okay. this is this is this is the smoking ban. Now, I don't smoke anymore, often, and it's I will occasionally smoke before crummy comments, um, but um, I don't uh, really smoke full time anymore. But um, when I'm in pubs, I miss that smell of smoke, and when I was smoking, I miss lighting up with a pint. And the smoke, what has the smoking ban done? All it's done is stop pubs smelling the smoke, and now they smell of BO, an old man fart. And I prefer the smell of smoke. <laughs> what? No, oh, yeah, I'm in my minute. You can't interrupt. Um, so I know what smell I prefer. I smell prefer the smell of smoke. I've been in queues before at the supermarket behind very smelly men, and I'm just standing there thinking... I wish this guy would just light a cigarette or something so I don't I can smell something different. I also think it's part of pub culture and has been for centuries before the ban. I totally get like, let's have a smoking ban in hospitals. Cool with that. That's fine. Let's not smoke in schools or in offices at work and stuff. It's just pubs I'm talking about here. I think it's part of the culture. And if you don't like it, you shouldn't be there. I don't think that we should appease non-smokers in pubs. I totally get everywhere else, but pubs are made for drinking and smoking. It's their primary um, objective. That's not the right word, but you know what I mean. And I think people should be able to lighten up and light up in pubs again. I feel like you're actually going to use that as a slogan going forward. <laughs> when I'm an MP, mate. Lighten up to light up. Okay. What pubs are you going to that smell like B.O. <laughs> and ma old man farts? I go to lovely pubs that smell great, like Glade Air Fresheners and oh, Flowers. It's beautiful. Okay. You live near London. Correct. I live in... Um, Say no in, more. 
a county called Gloucestershire, which is full of old man pubs. I love old man pubs. They're my favourite thing, except for the smell. Um, yeah, as, as Crobby says, says a lot about the pubs. And um, I have taken him to old man pubs before as well, just to watch what happens. And um, it's, yeah, no, I'm sorry. They, they do smell. A lot of decent pubs do stink now because they're full of old men. Okay. The thing you're, I... what, you're, what you're talking about are bars, my friend, and they are different to pubs. Okay, the the floor I have of your argument, and I'm glad you clarified that you only want it in pubs and that like airplanes and hospitals and all that kind of stuff should be should be kind of cancelled and stuff. But the smoking ban has been in now for well over ten years. Yeah, two thousand and seven, I think, maybe six. Yeah, so it, it's it's been a long time that it's it's not been around and. If the only complaint is the smell versus the very well-proven health benefits of people not breathing in secondhand smoke and being forced to be around that kind of environment when you yourself are not a smoker, is psychotic. They're not forced. I'm not just I'm not grabbing my friend's children and pushing their faces into pubs. I'm just saying that if you're in a pub, you should accept that there's going to be cigarette smoke in the air. If you don't like it, don't go to the pub. Go somewhere else. Go to one of your fancy little bars or a cafe or something. This is why why isolate is. Why isolate a population just for a few? <laughs> Well, it's it's not for a few, it's for it's it's the function of the place. That's like going to a heavy metal club and going, God, this music's a bit loud, isn't it? It's like, yes, that's the point. It's supposed to be loud because you're in a heavy metal club. If you don't like it, go to a club that doesn't play heavy metal. What if I lived in a town that has one pub and my brother comes to visit with his two small children and I want to go out with a nice meal to them for lunch? Then you I'm forced. <laughs> I'm forced to kind of reevaluate my options because you, Jimmy, and Janine want to have a fag in the corner. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate you bringing up Jimmy and Janine, my close friends. Um, <laughs> um, uh, okay, so I'm willing to compromise on... So this used to happen as well. Um, there was non-smoking areas of pubs and smoking areas of pubs. Why can't we just do that again? Because they were stupid, like... No, they so, won't. You and little Timmy, or whatever your nephew's called, can go to um, the non-smoking part, have some lovely food, camembert, I don't know what you people eat, and I can say in the corner, fagging it up with Janine. But it makes no difference, because these pubs, like if you remember, they were tiny, and there used to be a smoking section, which would be four tables on the far left wall. And <laughs> the then yellow the, motherfuckers just <laughs> the smoking section along the bar. And I never understood bringing in the smoking and non-smoking section because it's like, it, it it's a vapour that goes into the air. It spreads. It, it doesn't stop it from like traveling over to my area or my children, my children, Jesse, getting secondhand <laughs> smoke from your irresponsible choices. Look, all I know is that I had a very short indoor smoking career, right? So I started smoking when I was... Yeah, okay. So Crobby says there's still smoking areas. They're just outside. That is a yeah. good thing that's come out of the smoking ban. Outdoor heating has got very good, and it wouldn't have done without that. Do you remember when we were in Northern Ireland together and we went to that pub and it had the greatest outdoor heating section I have ever been in in my life? 
it was like the middle of December or something. Yeah, it was like freezing cold, but we were just sitting outside, smoking and chatting, and it felt like we were just in a toasty living room. It was amazing. So well done, Lan. That was the town we were in. Um, but um, yeah, but we, we don't want to be outside. If heating isn't good, we don't want to be outside. I don't like having to leave my group of friends to go outside and have a cigarette. They might talk about me behind my backpacks. And then I just got to come back and then, and then the smell on you, you can really smell it on you when you've had a cigarette outside and you come back in. You're like, oh, man, I stink. I can feel that I stink of smoke. But if every, if you're yeah. sitting in a pub, everyone stinks of smoke and it's fine. <laughs> you're so close to being logical and then it goes backwards. Like, you know you smell when you smoke and then you're like, well, if everyone else smells, then we're all just a couple bunch of smelly bastards together. Exactly. It's lovely. And um, also, as I was saying, I only... So I started smoking when I was about 14. Um, could um get away with having a drink in a pub when i was 16 so it was like only for a few months i could sit in a pub and have a fag i used to go to the um i can't remember what it's called there's a pub over the road from uh, the school we went to i used to sneak out at lunchtime and with matt coombs remember matt coombs um sneak out with him and have a couple of pints and a cigarette in a pub and i don't think i've ever been happier i'm a big advocate for smoking being banned indoor places I think it should be predominantly for outdoor areas and, and that kind of stuff. Um, I, I can't argue fully, you know, I used to be an ex-smoker, so I'm not like, oh, it's holy, then, then out, whatever. It's a case of, but if I was going to smoke, I would go outside to do it, and I wouldn't want to subject that into... I, I think it's so much better. I think you have a very rose-tinted view of how pubs used to be with, like, the yellow <laughs> and the dust carpets and just you go from the door and you'd be like um oh there they are and you have to like wade through the smoke to kind of get through it so uh yeah horrible 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 it was great and no all right steve thanks for tuning in mate and also having a fag in your hand (laughs) whilst walking into a pub just gives you that lift of confidence no like you you had something to do with your hands while you were looking for your mates you're having a fag and all that now you just walk in and go oh where are my friends i don't know what table they're at hello mrs barman and that used to be me with a cigarette in my hand But um, but so I miss I miss smoking in pubs. Only pubs. It's just pubs. You don't have to go to pubs, Max. Go somewhere else. That's true. Well, I I must admit. Remember when we were at Sally's and we had that lock in? We used to have like the lock ins around Cheltenham. We used to have at the Cotswold as well. It'd be like five o'clock in the morning, and they'd lock up, and then we'd have a smoke indoors. That was quite nice. But I knew the people I was destroying were also on the train <laughs> of destruction with me. You're not destroying them, um, but uh, I liked the lock-ins at the Cotswold because not only would we, not only would um, they lock us in in the Cotswold, but they'd they'd also grab the um, the big dildo. Do you remember and stick it on the mirror? That was like the sign of lady, yeah. we're now we're now in a lock-in. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't hear any of that, did you? <laughs> not, uh, do you remember the time when the big giant dildo was bought out and it was put in the middle of the table? And by the way, when we say no, I did, I did, I did. Um, when we said, when we're saying big dildo, I mean we're talking the size of whales. It's, it was insane. And and I had this little suction cup on the end and Sash, uh, Tash were put in the middle of the table. And then we had that one game where we did like a round of shots and she would like spin it 
And then whoever the dildo kind of landed on had to have a drink. What was a genius I game. That. I that right? Yeah. Better days. Happy days, right? Have you been happy since then? I haven't. I've been less traumatised, that's for sure. <laughs> they were good days. Good days. They were good days. Okay, um, my turn. Yes. Am I a bit controversial to the game we're playing right now? But it's something I hate with a passion. And I want it gone from civilized society forever. I pressed the wrong button. There we go. Devil's Advocate. I want the okay. Devil's Advocate dead. Okay. Done. Okay. Are we ready? So You have your minute. You know, do you know the... No, I'm going to take longer than a minute. That rules out <laughs> the window. We just get time to speak until we're done now. Did you know the origin of the word Devil's Advocate, Jesse? No. It dates back to the 17th century, and the Roman Catholic Church had an official position called the Devil's Advocate, and it was a person tasked with making the case against the canonization of new saints, scrutinizing every report of their miracles and virtues. So, dicks even <laughs> back in the 17th century. So, in short, as you've seen from this episode, it's a cheap tactic that people often use to be pessimistic and point out all the ways something could go wrong. It's damaging and it's literally the equivalent of that bro at the party who's like hey man i i just speak the truth and if you don't like that then that's your business but i'm a straight talker it's that guy and no one likes that guy jesse no one likes that guy and i will agree that on rare occasions that you do have to take the opposite side to help someone make an informed decision but the people who play devil's advocate over every little issue and debate even if they don't agree with it are sick in the head. Like that, those are the people that know me. Like you're there talking about, oh, racism is bad. And then someone's like, I agree, but like, what what are we accomplishing here? They're, you know, looking looking for reasons why something won't work isn't a good formula for it actually working. You're just spreading the kind of bad vibes and hate that is just not going to get anything done. So if you have someone you care about and they're starting this project that they love. Why are you looking for reasons that it won't work? Why flood them with reasons of like, oh, you're going to fail? Why not give support for that? So I, I just feel like if you're a person who constantly has to provide the, I'll make life difficult for you by making you think about this, then that person is just going to isolate themselves because no one is going to come to them with their problems because why bother with the hassle when they're not going to offer you anything constructive? At the moment, everything is so crowded and interconnected and if you toss a fort anywhere you have strangers all over the place giving you hypothetical challenges probing your convictions just you must justify your reasoning right now or it's not fact and i i just think it used to be beneficial devil's advocacy used to be beneficial for like constructive arguments and people understanding how stuff works but i feel like now in the online culture and the pub culture, you're just using it to flex and get a rise out of people. And you're just throwing out poison for the sake of it. And it's not providing any benefit. So why are we wasting our time with it? That is why I want devil's advocacy to go die in a hole. Okay. Firstly, what did that picture have to do with devil's advocacy? Uh, there's a famous movie called The Devil's Advocate starring uh, Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves. Ah, I didn't know that. Um, I thought well, it was a picture from Inception, and I thought you were doing it because, um, like, it's Devil's Advocate within Devil's Advocate, and it's Inception-y. Um, anyway, um, so you, you don't think... So you said that you think that it has in the past 
because this is how I've always viewed it as a positive is um, this is, yeah, this is a bit too serious, isn't it, Steve? But, um, you know, no one asked you to come here. No one asked you to go into pubs either when people are smoking. Um, are you back now? Yeah, yeah, you went as well. Maybe, who's going? Are we back? Um, okay. It, um, so if you have an idea, someone playing devil's advocate can help you flesh out that idea, no? Yes, to a, to a degree when it's a healthy discussion. But it's the people who take a devil devil's advocate approach just to fuck with people that I have an issue with. Okay, uh, yeah, and um, they are out there. But I find sometimes if I have an opinion um, that someone plays devil's advocate with me, it helps me work out the flaws in my argument, so that next time I bring up something like a smoking ban in a pub, I can um, talk about it sort of more in a more informed way, knowing what sort of backlash I'm going to get. Do you know what I mean? No, what do you mean backlash? So if if I have a controversial opinion, you froze on your back. Um, if I have a controversial opinion about something, um, someone will come back with something telling me, oh, but you shouldn't think this because this. And I go, oh, shit, I didn't think of that. But if someone's already played devil's advocate with me, I've gone, no, and I can, I've already rehearsed for it. Well, that's fine. That that's prepping for for a good situation, right? But but what about when you're having these discussions about things that everyone know knows is right, and someone is just playing it just to wind people up or get a rise out of people? It's yeah, it's a it's a dick move. And we talked about this at the start of the podcast. It is a dick move to do, but it's really fun. And why would you deny yourself a bit of fun and happiness? How often do you do it? Do you do you prefer I have to a fag while you have it? <laughs> <Step out. laughs> well i think the holocaust <laughs> and here's why the jewish people should finish the pyramids um <laughs> people who just tuned in that was a purely hypothetical <laughs> um i i do really enjoy occasionally winding people up online especially as an anonymous person on reddit yeah, you seem like the type of person. It's fun. It is really fun. And it, don't you enjoy just winding people up? No, I get too bored too quickly. Really? Yeah. Well, you never get like... You're obviously not good enough at it. No, you just don't get a good enough retort from, from anything that you kind of say. And it's just, why waste time? All right, I'm going to do a field trip for you. I'm going to wind uh, up some... Just In fact, let's turn this into a game. Send me any Reddit thread in the world and I will wind someone up on it. Do you want to make it more of a challenge? And we will both try and whoever gets the best response is the winner. Yeah, okay. That's a good shout. All right, let's, let's find the most random Reddit thread in the world. We'll do it and we'll report back next week. Okay, guys, we're... We're going into uncharted territory. What I was saying before uh, the internet cut out, apologies everyone, is if you have any things that you want to lock in the vault, any things that really drive you crazy or you hate, please put them in the comments and your reasoning why. It will be interesting to see what other people have chosen. Okay. Um, I, I, I just think there's, and this ties into my number one as well, of just that there's this poisonous culture online that isn't needed for any reason other than to bolster someone else but what do you think what do you think about people who spout their opinions on things without being experts on them like 
COVID conspiracies, for example, and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, just shut up. Like, you know, they're wrong, but you don't really have any more right than them to retort because you're not a doctor either. Do you know what I mean? And but that that sort of thing is when devil's advocate's good to use, right? Yeah, well... I, I find the thing so frustrating about that, and we will get onto that on my number one, is just the, the – you just get so exhausted as well. You're just going around in circles, and that's when I give up because I'm just like, I'm not getting through to this person. So so why – I'm a very apathetic arguer. I just, I just don't care enough to try – you're never going to bend someone's will. If someone has a view of something, you've got to be really shit hot to bend their view anywhere else because people are stubborn. It's true. Um, it's a very. Um, I've always tried to keep myself open to changing my mind on things, which I think more people should do. Um, when new information is presented to you, you're totally entitled to go, "Ah, oh, okay," and change your mind and make it a better. A that better I fully thing. support, um, and and I will always want to be challenged on stuff that that I'm saying or stuff I believe in. But it, it it comes back down to that, you know, challenging for the sake of challenging, with with no goal in mind, just just to piss the person off. That's that's not cricket, as the kids say. Fine, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sort of with you. I'm sort of with you on the devil's advocate thing. Okay. Now for Mr. Benz's choice, you have gone for <laughs> gatekeeping. So, um, you have gate- to find a picture of gatekeeping, by the way. Nice. So this is just a man not letting you, a doorman not letting you in. He's got a wonky. Yep little finger as well um not so happy with that he has, isn't it, on the Saturday? <laughs> yeah yeah uh, up to his dancing guts <laughs> um and uh, uh it's yeah so not into gatekeeping i think and it, it happens in nerd culture more than anything else which makes me really sad because nerds are outcasts anyway and this sort of goes back to your point they try and find solace online in these little communities, whether they're fans of Lord of the Rings or, I don't know, Matrix or Pokemon. And they just want to get into those things. And so they join these forums and they ask like these beginner questions and they just get shut down by all these nerdy little pricks who probably all look like the comic book guy from The Simpsons. And <laughs> like just shutting them down, not letting pe- new fans come in. It's this whole mine it's mine not yours and i know yeah. the most about it you get it with music as well and bands particularly punk bands i have to say um it happens with it's like oh, i know everything about the descendants so you can't you're not allowed to know anything about them you don't even know like milo's middle name do you and like it it bothers me because i get a new obsession pretty much every week something else just pops up in my life that i know very little about that I want to get into. And what did I say? What did I, how did I say Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Apparently in an offensive way, Jesse. Lord of the Rings. Oh, it's probably because I hate it, but like that's, but that's fine. Other people are allowed to like it. Um, it's, but look, like skateboarding, right? We got well back into skateboarding last year. Yeah. Um, none of us are particularly amazing at it, but we're enjoying it and it doesn't matter. So you sort of, Actually, skateboard is a bad example because people are really accepted in that community, generally speaking. Like, even if people are really good, they tend to sort of welcome um, people who are a bit shit and they help them and it's lovely. But then, like, yeah, you get to other stuff and this whole elitism. And it's like, it's always about nerdy shit. You're a fucking loser for liking it in the first place. 
that the more of you that there are, the better. Just enjoy it and welcome new people. Yeah, I'm not really going to have any disagreement with this one at all. It's it, it, it's it's a fair statement in the sense of just why why is your fandom more important than anyone else's? And I think that's an interesting discussion to have of like, why do these people feel like they need to gatekeep of just yeah. like, well, this was mine first. I had it. So I, I mean, you get it from a sense, like if you are the first person to like something, say you find a band that is like your band and you know them and all of this, and then it blows up and no one believes you that you liked them years ago and you know all about them there can be that frustration element that people aren't recognizing your knowledge or your, cause no one likes to be dismissed as not having enough knowledge or understanding of a subject. If, if you know something, you want to be recognized for it. So I think that's where a lot of the gatekeeping culture comes from in the sense of like, go on. But you could just be the kindly elder in that scenario. That's helping the person that knows less, right? Like you could just, sort of nicely teach them about it. Oh, um, it's really cool that you want to skate. Skateboarding's awesome. This is um, an ollie. This is how you ollie, you know, and like stuff like that. Or wrestling, like wrestling's a massive one. There's loads of gatekeepers in wrestling. It's like, you know, these kids sort of just get into it and they're like, oh, Seth Rollins, he seems really cool. And they're like, oh, Seth Rollins, he's only wrestled in like the last few years. You should go back and find someone like the Dynamite Kid, man. And it's... It just, yeah, it just annoys me because it's always, it's always things that are pathetic to like anyway. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but I, I think wrestling is the, the classic example of neckbeard gatekeeping of yeah. just, and I'm very glad you and me never, have, we haven't fallen into that trap because we know a lot about wrestling, but we have never wanted to converse with other people to let them know this. My favourite thing is to get people into it, like, in yeah. a welcoming way. Do you remember when I first got with Bobby and I basically wrote her a book, like, because yeah. she ex expressed interest in getting into wrestling. I was like, oh, this is the best thing in the world. So I basically did, like, she she picked out all of her favourite wrestlers and I basically made, I wrote um, a little book with lists of all of the, the wrestlers she'd chosen, all of their best matches. And then I wrote like a couple of paragraphs under each one, just giving a bit of context around the match, like mm -hmm. what had happened before, what happened afterwards, why it's a significant point in history. And that was awesome. And like, I was watching it for the first time again through her eyes. And it was so much more rewarding than if I'd just gone, no, that's my thing. Fuck off. Do you know what I mean? But that's something we enjoy, and especially you as a personality trait, you want to force everything you love on someone so that they will love you through your loved things. Like, you don't want to show interest in her stuff. <laughs> you want to be like, teach me about books and knitting, I beg you. No, you want her to, to love your things so that you can feel connected to her. I have no idea what she's into. <laughs> she's just there. Every night she's there. I don't <laughs> understand. Um, she's trying to I get... She's She's tried to get into video games recently as well, which is really cool. And oh. um, she's ne never played them as a kid or anything. So I, but I've been trying to sort of show her how to do it. And it's mad. It's like training a sort of five-year-old. Like simple things, like the longer you hold jump, the higher you will jump. Just things that are second nature to us, right? Are not to her, but yeah. we're, we're getting there, I think. <laughs> so I've only broken six controllers. It's fine. <laughs> not a problem but i i agree with you I, I i want to show people what i like more than anything like I, maybe because it's our interest and niche in the sense of like the wrestling the punk rock 
the skating. Like our interests are not, we're not going to be able to join a group or we're not going to strike up a conversation with a stranger and they're going to have probably the same interests as us. So I think for us, we're always like, please watch this. Please come into my group. So I have someone else to talk to about this stuff because I've been talking to Jesse for 20 years and I'm tired of it. <laughs> and, and I think that's it. But I honestly think the gatekeeping thing comes down to people feeling like they're not recognized, but not handling it in the way they should of how they pass that information on. They want to be known as the be all. I know everything about Star Wars. No one knows more about Star Wars than I do. Everyone else is dumb than me because of it. But there's always going to be someone who knows more than you. And then they lash yeah. out with kind of anger at the people who are like, well, I only watched The Last Jedi for the first. It was fantastic. So, yeah. I, I, that's where it stems from. And that's the frustration that why gatekeeping happens is they want to keep it special and unique to them and not have to share it with anyone else. Yeah, but that's a personality flaw. And basically, who hurt you? Yeah. Why did daddy touch you is the game that we can play. <laughs> Um, speaking of wrestling, plug your appearance next week. What are we appearing on next? Probably appearing on Steve's next week. Um, oh, we must be on Steve's podcast. The Royal Rumble is happening this Sunday, and we will be appearing on that podcast the following week to talk about stuff and top fives and things. So make sure you head on over to that podcast and subscribe for us being on that. I saw um, an interesting... Did you see Edge when he competes in the Royal Rumble this Sunday? Um, he'll be the only wrestler in history to be in a Royal Rumble in four different decades. Wow. How mad's that? 90s, me... 2000s, 2010s, and now 2020s. That makes me feel very old. Yep, I know. Mad, isn't it? Very mad. I was watching a lot of um, Ruthless Aggression, SmackDown, and how young he is, and then I think back to my youth and... Him being all sexy and Canadian, and <laughs> those were the miss days. Him. Yeah, and I miss those days. He's still sexy now. He's a very rugged man. Oh, now he's even better. Yeah. Yes, Daddy. Yeah, top, better. <laughs> top five. Um, in top five male crushes, we put on the list, didn't we? We're going to do that at some point. Yes, Autumn suggested that when she watched the show last time because uh, apparently we got a little bit too excited about probably you and McGregor. So, he, he, spoiler alert: he is on the list, baby. <laughs> Might be a crossover. Who knows? Uh, number one, both in agreement for the first time ever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about dreamy men. Weird that we've not done dreamy women first, but this is the uh, <laughs> we've chosen in life. Okay. So my picky pick pick for number one is not fact checking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know you're not going to disagree with me on this, so thank you. I'll I'll find a way. Find a way. Um, okay, so for people that don't know, my actual profession and job is a journalist. I'm a head of content for a company. I deal in news. That is what I do for a living. And the more digital and connected this world becomes, the more dangerous it is. 24-7 news cycles and constant need for stories and information has impacted how we perceive events. The ability for anyone to be a journalist or even just someone who can pass on information, in my opinion, is the cornerstone of what is crippling and dividing society at the moment. This world of alternative facts, for people listening by audio, I'm using air quotes here, is a... It's just this maze of claim and counterclaim. You can put hoaxes wherever you want, and you can do it so fast with social media, and you can get 
backlashes from people who take what they read at face value. And that's the most dangerous thing. And I think a lot of news organizations are guilty of it. And also these publicly created news channels, which gain followers and listeners again, air quotes, influencers. And I'm not just talking about pretty models on Instagram, but dudes with proper studio setups saying whatever the hell they want, unregulated to mass followers. You guys are seeing me now. I have lighting. I have a HD camera. I have a microphone. If I made any effort whatsoever, I could have a news-esque channel on YouTube spouting whatever shit I wanted. And people would watch it because it looks professional. And I might sound like I know what I'm talking about. And that is terrifying. Because this idea of a trusted source of information, it's dead. Because 50% of the population doesn't like what news channel A says. So they go over to news channel B, which backs up their thoughts. And if neither of those do it, then they'll go and find Crazy Joe on YouTube to talk about how the water's poison and aliens are coming to steal your babies. And they'll think it's backed up by facts. And the word facts is so dangerous because there is, you know, as I said, there's nothing stopping us. Me and Jesse could do our own little news channel now and people would believe it. it, if I, it yeah, no, we can't. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to five ends. That's what we'll do. We'll just <laughs> So if, if you take the example of uh, the US election last year, there was a made-up story spread on social media that was claiming that a pedophile ring involving high members of the Democratic Party was operating out of a basement in a pizza restaurant in Washington, D.C. In December, a man walked into the restaurant, which didn't have a basement, by the way, and he fired an assault rifle because someone thought it was funny to talk about pedophiles and pizza on the internet, and people started following and taking it seriously. That's terrifying. Look at what happened with COVID. Jesse was just saying about people spreading shit about COVID. The only people we should be listening to about COVID is scientists who know this because they studied it. But we're not. We're sharing information and graphs and stats that have no credibility. People are making up their own narrative. They're angry at how the government's handled stuff. So they're creating their own story to get back at them. You know, you see this catchy title on a headline. You go, yeah, that makes sense. Or you get outraged by something. Can you share it on Instagram or Twitter? Um, and that's fine if you've got like 100 followers because who's going to view it and give a shit? But when you've got those same people with a million followers spreading that, then it becomes part of the narrative and you start to get into danger. And regulations are coming in slowly. Like you'll see now when you go to retweet something, it's like, would you like to read the article first? Still doesn't stop people just going, nope, it's going to retweet anyway. Um, and there's stuff that's being reported and hashtagged on Instagram if it's fake and all this kind of stuff, but it takes someone to research and report it. I wrote about this 10 years ago in my dissertation about the journalism and the fake that brings in. And it's it's all kind of being proven true in the sense of just there's no checks and balances for what goes out into the world. And when you've got your 60-year-old mums who don't know how to operate Facebook properly and they're just seeing a headline and going, well, that must be true. It's just horribly dangerous, especially for that generation who aren't as in touch to research and then they just start spouting it off as they make decisions about life. And it is my biggest pet peeve and hatred in the world that stuff is just out there, unregulated, and just the worst situation that we can really find ourselves in. And it's only going to get worse unless drastic measures come in. So anyone who doesn't fact check, go die in a volcano. Namaste. Uh, I, I don't know where to go for reliable news anymore. This is the problem. Your opinion's been split. 
Yeah, I, yeah. Well, it, and it is like that. Um, I could, I do, I do agree with you, obviously. And um, it's um, back in the day, we had like three TV channels, right? So, like, whatever they said, the country agreed with and all knew, and no one questioned it because everyone watched the same thing. And now, as you say, it's so diluted, and there's so many of these different opinions that come across like facts. You see it even proper news sources do it all the time they'll if they're talking about something serious like brexit or something like that they won't go to someone who knows what they're talking about they'll just be running through the high street and they'll just go up to anyone and they'll go and they'll go oh what do you think about brexit and it's like this guy might be an absolute nutcase but he's going to appear on the bbc news with whatever he said and whether it's right or wrong there's going to be people at home watching it going yeah you're right those there are too many polish here and well, like, happened, you know, no one fact checked. Look at the big red bus of, you know, promising X amount to nurses and stuff. The day after the referendum passes, Nigel Farage goes, no, nah, we can't do that. That's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lie. Why did no one check that? Why did <laughs> no one like regulate any of the information that went out about Brexit instead of just allowing these people to spew hate onto the media for people to consume and into the tabloids that are going to target certain areas and classes of the UK just to kind of bend their will. It was disgusting. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. And um, it is dangerous. I can't, I can't even argue it or devil's advocate it because it's just a really damaging thing in the world and um, it needs, uh, but I don't know how to fix it. How do you fix it? it's so difficult because we we've got to a point and and this is a discussion i always have at work is is we're accelerating so fast with our digital media and digital transformation saying work words outside of work um but you we're doing that so fast without proper regulations being put in place first the internet is growing at such a rapid speed that there's no checks and balances put into place to begin with so now we're going oh, this guy Donald Trump came in and he's able to be the leader of the free world and spew whatever he wants onto his Twitter feed. Then Twitter woke up and went, we should probably put some kind of fact-checking situation in place. And it's like, this was an issue five years before Donald Trump was even mentioned as a presidential candidate. It's just, then it got dangerous and that's when you acted. People are only acting when it's becoming a problem. And that's the biggest issue with the internet at the moment is it's too much reacting to a situation that's already passed and it's reactive not proactive exactly mate. it's reactive not proactive and that's that's not healthy and it's not going to help the situation especially when you have a situation like social media which is has millions and billions of day the can spread stuff as we said it, it's so easy to become a citizen journalist now so easy cameras are cheap microphones are cheap it's, it's the hard. new it's the new photographer do you remember when um camera phones first came out and everyone was like yeah i'm a i'm a photographer now and it's that now you can do it with journalism but i also feel like i'm gatekeeper history but i feel like i'm going through like for a problem because it is scary that any can technically job that they can camera and do it but they don't have the regulations. They don't have the law studies. They don't have the background. Yeah, journalism isn't a hobby. It's something you need to be trained in and do responsibly. It's not. It's not yeah. like. It's not like hopping on a skateboard. That's how it's treated. That that that's how journalism tr- journalism is treated at the moment. Journalism, you can't even say it, son. I've had a couple of drinks. <laughs> <laughs> journalism. 
Clark. You're not even a you're not even a real journalism. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, there's there's not a solution to it until like real action is taken. But there's there's a lot of cool documentaries out there and a lot of cool articles. Cool articles, man, um, that people can read about how it is being used to destabilize places and it is being used to control certain areas and to influence certain outcomes. And you don't have to be involved in it to see it, see it happening every single day. And I'm not saying that social media is a bad thing. It has a lot of uses and there's stories that would never have got covered by when we just used to have news stations or broadcast things. There's so many good things that now get covered by citizen journalism that didn't get a war. Fortunately, it's the minority versus the majority hatred that gets put out there, and that's the danger that needs to be balanced. Agreed. Agreed. Room 101 to you non-fact-checkers. Be responsible, people. I've realised the flaw with this system is that it's really difficult to finish your point, isn't it? Because like on that, on real Room 101, they'd go, okay, uh, we're going to put that in Room 101. They pull a lever and it falls into Room 101. Everyone applauds and moves on. But we ain't got that. So it's like we just sort of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's no conclusion. Okay. Um, well, I think that's an agreed Room 101. For, yeah. for, we'll go through at the end, we'll go for our picks and make a final choice whether it deserves to go or not. And we'll okay. go So your number one, my friend, is one I'm very curious about. So it's something that you might not agree uh, with. And it's a very good picture. I like this picture very much. Um it's so pop culture snobbery. This kind of goes back to your goggle box point and um a few other shows and this is actually only something that i've come to realize in the last year and i think it's because we've all been in isolation and locked down in our houses and stuff i've watched a hell of a lot more tv than i have done for a long time um this last year and i found myself actually really enjoying and looking forward to certain shows that are part of pop culture particularly in britain particularly mm -hmm. ITV shiny floor shows like um, Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, Gogglebox, things like that. The Masked Singer's on at the moment. I'm loving that shit. Um, it's, I used to be one of these people, and I know you're still one of these people, that like, oh, the fucking, you know, uneducated masses watching this shit, man. And it's like, but I sort of came to this realisation that if you're enjoying it, who gives a fuck? And who gives a f and it's not hurting anyone. I get the sort of Big Brother and X Factor and stuff. I'm not a big fan of that because, like, the early stages of the X Factor, they're just wheeling out the bewildered to sort of be embarrassed in front of the nation. Do you know what I mean? And that's not cool. That hurts people. Big Brother, they tend to, like, just find these fairly simple folk, thrust them into celebrity for, like, shoving a wine bottle up their minge or whatever, and then... They're there, they get out of the Big Brother house. All this fucking tabloids there. They have no idea what to do. It damages them. Susan Boyle is a bewildered, vulnerable person who has been fucking, you know, it's scary shit. Get that. What I'm talking about is I'm a celebrity, Masked Singer, Ant and Dex, Saturday Night Takeaway, just trash telly, for want of a better word. But there's people out there who, for some reason, 
think of themselves on a higher plane because they don't watch and enjoy this stuff and think of people as stupid for enjoying it. I don't understand who it's hurting. I don't understand why people can't enjoy it. And I would like that explained to me, please. Can I defend myself first of all? Because you, you lumped me in with that. Um, I, I'm not a snob for this stuff. It is a sense of I've watched it. I've never not... Anything I've said I don't like is something I have watched or at least seen an episode of. And I think there needs to be a recognized difference of snobbery and just generally not liking something. I've watched A Mass Singer. I thought it was shit. I've watched I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. What a waste of time. Anton Deck, I don't get it. Like... I love them. You know, I love Anton Deck, but like that show, I, I I don't understand it, but I'm not, I'm not innocent of watching trash. I love watching shit like come down with me or naked attraction or Ramsey's kitchen nightmares. You know, I, I do enjoy watching trash. I watch like total divas and stuff, you know, the trashiest of the trash. When, think, uh, when yeah. we were on, um, either we were on Steve's podcast or he was on ours. I can't remember, but, um, I brought up that I've been watching. I'm a celebrity. And the two of you were like, oh, oh, how can you watch such awful television? It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like you two almost like connected and put yourself on a higher level of intelligence because I'd been watching something you hadn't. And I didn't understand that point of view at all. But it wasn't that I think that's an awful TV show, but I've never not watched it and gone, oh, it must be for the lower classes. I've watched it and just think it's dog shit of a TV show, so I don't understand why you would want to watch that. I, I, thought you had taste. I, I, I enjoy it. I think it's good. And um, also, it's good office chat. That's something I've learned this year as well. When you've mm. got like some bird in the office that you don't really have anything in common with, but you have to speak to her at the moment, even worse, you have to speak to them on Zoom or whatever, and there's always that, how was your evening? What did you do at the weekend? And all that shit. And like, at least, like, we've got this common ground now with, um, we both watched I'm a Celebrity. And it's like, I know it's a bit like, it's like, oh, I've, I've found this thing that we can talk about. But it actually does really help. And sort of, it makes life easier when you just are tuned I, in with yeah. what the rest of the country is tuned in with. No, that is very true. Because I've been very isolated in that situation before. As you say, I don't have a TV to, to watch like, all of this stuff that kind of comes out when it comes out. So if Love Island is popular, if I'm a celebrity is popular, The Circle, whatever's like the hot thing at the moment, I'm just there like... <laughs> the Circle? I have <laughs> no idea what's going on, you know. Why did you bring up The Circle? That was a weird one. That's just a, that's just a game show that Philip Schofield hosts, I think. No, it was like a reality show a couple of months ago where people lived in a house and they had to like pretend. Oh, to that! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, you're right. Right. I like, I was like, no, I haven't. So <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten all yeah, about that. You you do feel disconnected from people and you don't have that kind of commonality with them. But at the same time, I don't to subject six hours a week to keep up with Janine in the smoking area down the pub. <laughs> um. Okay, well, I, I enjoy it. It's a nice way to spend my evening, and I haven't found a better way to spend it being locked down in a house at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think if I was if if this year hadn't been this year, I this wouldn't be on my, in my list, and I wouldn't be watching these shows. But because it has, it's suddenly become oddly comforting to sort of feel like you're with so many other people watching this stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
I think I'd honestly be in the same group. Like if I had access to it, I'd, I'd probably do the same kind of thing where I'd watch this stuff. Cause the moment I don't watch TV because I feel like I've watched everything. I've, all the streaming services, I've watched all the good shows and I'm just waiting for stuff to come out weekly now. So my evenings are spent doing shit like this or reading or just on my phone. So I would probably be like, Oh, well, let me, let me just see what's on ITV for a bit. And I yeah. end up watching it, like not denying that that would happen. Yeah, but and it's lovely. Goodness, that hasn't happened. <laughs> you still haven't watched Cobra Kai. If you think you've covered everything good on streaming, son. I'm saying, you know, like uh, that, that beautiful image of that last book that you read before you die. Cobra Kai is that last show I watch before lockdown ends. It's, just, it's, my, it's my piece de resistance of the end of it. I just, I just want to talk to you about it. So you have to watch it. You're, you're being selfish. You're a bad friend. You're a bad, bad friend. <laughs> you are. But oh. that is... That, <laughs> are you wearing an LWO um, hoodie, by the way? Yeah. It's very nice. I like that. These, so, back to the wrestling talk. WE Shop, notoriously bad for quality of like T-shirts and stuff. They're boxy. The material's yeah. horrible. Yeah. This hoodie is so comfortable. Oh, that's good. And really was, nicely made and fitted. I was really let down. Um, I've got it right here, actually. Um, this Finn Balor hoodie. Do you remember this Finn Balor hoodie that um, has the hood? That... Oh, yes, yes, yes. So it zips up. So you've got like a cool, almost balaclava thing going on, which actually in the world we're living in now is really good. But the <laughs> the um, the picture of Finn wearing it um, was awesome. Like he looks so cool. And now having bought that, his was clearly tailored to fuck to look amazing on him because that just hangs off you and it's a pile of shit. And I hate WE Shop for that. Yeah. Uh, so I'd recommend pullover hoodies. Fits nicely. That's the way to go in the future. But uh, I remember when I bought this and you said that I was doing cultural appropriation and it made me laugh. <laughs> Whenever I wear it, I just, I just, it really makes me giggle. And I was, I was walking through London Victoria. I was wearing this, my mask on. And this little Mexican dude comes up to me in W.A. Smith, and I shit myself that, like, Jesse Bright, I'm going to get beaten up. And he was just like, cool, cool hoodie, man. Love Eddie Grau. And I was like, I'm down with the lattice. <laughs> it's quite an intense episode that we've done. Yeah, right? It's Yeah, this has probably been the most serious episode we've done. Yeah. Lowest views ever. <laughs> no. people all love it people love it okay so um, you have to be in the minus figures for that <laughs> um number five i pick goggle box i i still want it in room 101 i i can't put it in it makes too many people happy but why should they be happy and me miserable okay well let's move on to the next point <laughs> man just make look. The smokers were happier. It smells nicer than bo and horrible old booze and stuff. Let's just enjoy it. If you don't like it, don't go to the pub. There's plenty of places to drink now. I feel like you've been taking me, like you've been pandering to me, and you've taken me to really nice high-end pubs when I come and visit you, because you know that I won't accept the filth of the bo and the butt stuff. Yeah. No. Okay. I, I will take you to the bo and the butt stuff. I've taken. I've took you to the Campbell before. Oh, yeah. Well, we were very drunk. I don't remember a lot of what happened that night. Yeah, we were. Do you remember how Jack... I don't remember how we got there. It was just one of those moments where we were somewhere, and then we were in the Campbell, and I just went, 
No, I don't remember that. that was the Easter weekend. Do you remember uh, that guy who likes the podcast um, back when we were doing wrestling? Just came and sat with us and didn't introduce himself or say anything to us. Really, just immediately started talking about wrestling. Yes, that happened a fair few times. It happened to be in Birmingham. A guy who looked like Jesus came up and just started speaking to me about wrestling because he knew the podcast. Um... They just assume. They just assume. They. I mean, you. You listening? You just assume you know us, but it's fine. <laughs> But like it's, but it's it's just it's weird. weird. Like, it's yeah, weird. because because we've never seen you before. So when you just come up and start talking about wrestling out of the blue, it's like I love talking about wrestling. This is awesome. But hi, I'm Jesse. What's your name? I'm a human male. Nice to meet you. <laughs> um, so yes, if you see us, please please introduce yourself. Uh, oh no, wait. Devil's advocate. You brought me kind of round to your, you know, I'm going to take it out of... I was I was clutching at straws, to be honest. I was in set, I was devil's advocating devil's advocate, which is very it, difficult. There's good elements, but there is also a lot of evil to it. So <laughs> it, it's a tricky one. And then gatekeeping, I think we're both in agreement. Yeah. We want to want. Don't, just, just let people in. If you love something, show people. And I will, but I will say we, we've all been guilty of it in the past. I think, and sometimes you do it without realizing. You do a bit of gentle, not yeah. you, like one that does a bit of gentle gatekeeping, and yeah. we should all, we should check ourselves on that as well. Yeah, uh, not fact checking, hundred percent. We got yeah. twenty twenty one people. It's New Year. Biden's president. The world is glorious. So you know should- what? Um, another point to this not fact checking thing, which is kind of along the same line. I see. Do you remember? It happens a bit less now, actually, or maybe everyone's wised up. But like you'd get like these really far right, um, like racist pages on Facebook or something like that that would start, and they do something like they post a picture of a abused dog, and they'd yeah. be like, "Share this if you're against animal cruelty." And it's like people like you know my dad when he was first on Facebook would do this all the time because um, like he's, he wasn't familiar with how the internet worked in that way. Do you know what I mean at the time? Yeah. He was like. I'm against animal cruelty. Of course you are. So yeah, I'm going to fucking share that. And then before you know it, this BNP horrible far right page has got all these likes and shares and stuff because of trickery like that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's understanding why people are asking you to do stuff on the internet. I feel like there should be an education for people who are not familiar with how the internet works, mainly the older yeah. generation. Just, yeah. want, just want to give them a hug and just protect them a little bit. I mean, why share that? Like, it's like, yes, I'm against animal cruelty. Great. So, <laughs> what's, what's that achieved? No one's gonna fight you. Yeah, that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe donate some money if you're that against it. Maybe, maybe volunteer at some some stuff if you're if you're that pro against it. Yeah, Changing exactly. your profile picture to a little peace symbol isn't gonna do shit. <laughs> and pop culture snobbery. Hundred percent agree. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I think um, I think I, I think it's the age I've got to as well. Since I hit thirty, it's like I'm less preoccupied with looking cool now, and I'm just going to enjoy what I want to enjoy and fuck it. Exactly. So that's the end of our episode of top ten thing, top five things. Sorry, we want in room one hundred one. It was fun. I enjoyed that. I was I was more scared that we were going to fall out. No, it's fine. Yeah, no, I think it, it turns out that we're friends for a reason and we actually have quite a lot in common and um, agree on a lot of things. Um, but um, I like that when we when I first suggested this episode, um, you said we can't call it Room 101 because it's just a blatant ripoff of the show. So that's cool. <laughs> what do you want to call it? Volcanic? Something to, I wanted to chuck stuff in a volcano. I thought if you're going to end something, end it in molten lava. 
it's I, I like the I like the imagery of that, yeah. but um, I, I like that you just abandoned and you were like, "Ah, oh, fuck it." <laughs> let's, let's just use well, it. it got to like eight o'clock. And I was like, "Well, I've got to create graphics." No, <laughs> who gives a shit? Um, exactly. Week we could potentially have a, a guest, a returning guest, Elliot Jordan, dear friend of mine who was on the podcast last time, and I believe we discussed. Top five managers. It was a very weird episode that we did. Wrestling stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, he's a wrestler, right? He's a wrestler, but he wants to come on and just do a do a top five of us. Probably something video game related. So we're just gonna shoot the shit with another human being, so we don't have to talk to each other, which will be nice. That'll be um, interesting. That'll be novel. It will be novel. It's like when Steve's here. And speaking of Steve, we'll be on his uh, podcast next week, so make sure you go check it out. Four-time award winners make an appearance, as per usual. He should start paying us for, like, I don't want to win another one, because then we can't do, like, the full horsemanship. Right. No, yeah. but then we could do five-time. Oh, yeah, five-time. Okay, we stop at five. Five awards, yeah. and then we're done. <laughs> Soccer. Okay. Um, where can people go if they want information or to contact us, dear Benzie boy? There is so much information at a little website called gotto5.com. He's professional as always. Uh, thank Hope you very that. much for... <laughs> that <laughs> so would be a struggle. Uh, thank you everyone for, for joining in and watching this episode. Um, I, I enjoyed it and please, you know, let us know your kind of pet peeves and stuff. stuff the stuff we couldn't agree on and to see what's going on. Me and Jesse will try and get some points on a reddit post that's going to be fun to play and we'll be back next week because we're doing weekly because the show is on its final legs this was episode 86 so we have 14 episodes left so just over three months left of got till five so enjoy us while you can until we come back with something new and exciting thank you very much for listening we'll be back next week with a brand new episode stay safe stay healthy and stay sane is the most important thing we love you very much. My name is Max Gurdon. He's Jesse Benz. Until next time, goodbye and good night. Yeah.